This is Turtle on a Fence Post, a virtual mentorship podcast for people that don't have a mentor in their lives, but would like one. I'm your host, Ty Jones. Welcome, and for those of you that aren't familiar with the idea of a turtle on a fence post, it's simply this. If you're walking along the road and you see a turtle on a fence post, you can pretty much guarantee that turtle didn't get there on its own. And that's how life is. We don't get where we are on our own. We don't work in a vacuum. The mentors in our lives are those that uh, help lift us up and put us on those so-called fence posts. So anyway, that's that's where that name comes from. But let's get right into it. So the topic of today is the two worlds that kids live in. And I this really does apply to anybody, whether they're an adult or they're a kid. It doesn't really matter. But kids, I think this this is a bigger part of their lives or the separation of the compartmentalization of their lives is a little bit more prevalent when they're younger. And as we get older, the compartmentalization oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes starts to kind of meld together. So let me tell you what I'm talking about. So for kids, there's always at least two worlds that they live in. There's the world defined by adults. The adults set the expectations and define what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. The other world is the youth culture. And these two worlds are almost always at odds. The more oblivious adults believe that what they see is what they get with the kids in their lives. But the reality is that behaving appropriately within the adult world and fitting in in that, uh, the world of youth culture is pretty much always at odds. So let me give you a couple of examples. Swearing in church, surrounded by adults that would find foul language completely inappropriate is something that most kids try to avoid. Not all. I mean, there are some pretty rebellious kids out there. But take many of those kids and watch them interact with their peers at school, and their choice of language is dramatically different. So I personally grew up attending very conservative Church of Christ congregations. We went to several as I grew up, but I grew up in this, in this adult world of high expectations and high standards, and, but I also lived in the youth culture because I was a kid. And so I lived in those two worlds, and it was, it was very tough to manage those two personas, Needing to seamlessly slip back and forth, like putting on different uniforms, was, was a big challenge in my life. One of the worst situations, this is kind of a generic situation, but one of the worst situations was when the two worlds collided. So, for example, I was at the store with my mom, who had very high standards and very high expectations. And, say, uh, a group or a gang of my unsupervised peers was walking through the store maybe going to buy some soda or whatever, and they see me and they know what's up. They know I've currently got the adult uniform on that I have to, I have to act a certain way around adults. And they see me and they want to come up and they want to you know, talk to me and give me a hard time. And that got awkward really quick. So I remember seeing some of the, the kids, especially at church, really, really suck up to the adults. They were fantastic at telling the adults exactly what they wanted to hear and acting exactly the way the adults expected them to act. But then when they switched gears and they were fully in the youth culture and they slipped into that other uniform, it was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I mean, these were completely different people. You would not even recognize them if not for facial recognition. <laughs> They're 
speech patterns changed, their word choice changed, their the way they uh, like physically acted, their demeanor changed in every possible way. Now, every kid lives in two worlds, but each kid handles it differently. So the point of this podcast today is not for me to pass judgment on, on anybody because I get it. I get it. Life is hard. It is hard to fit in. It's hard to please the people that have high expectations of you. And for kids that don't play along in the world of youth culture, they're often bullied and made fun of. I mean, kids are merciless with each other. And for kids that don't play along in the adult world of expectations, they're labeled as troubled and looked down on. That's, that's a bad kid, you know, because they don't play along. They don't act the way that I expect them to act at all times. So one of the goals today is to, is to ultimately give you some tools to cope, some encouragements, and, uh, and let's, see, let's see what we can do with that. So first, this is important, and this is something that I tell my kids, I try to tell them on a regular basis because it often doesn't feel this way, but the truth is the way things are right now is not the way things will always be. We often feel like we're stuck in a place, and that's not, I mean, we are where we are, but things are always changing. You are constantly both physically and mentally changing. You're evolving. Your brain is learning. And you're, you're changing physically because you're growing. You're either becoming stronger and bigger and faster, or like me, I'm now almost 50 years old. Now I am becoming weaker and slower and shorter. So, but regardless, there is, life is change. It's constant. We are constantly changing and we're experiencing new things and our brain is, is learning. No matter how old you are, you're still learning. And in fact, research has shown that um, through, I, I don't want to get into the details, but basically through uh, injecting dyes, they've found that even very, very old people that are very close to death are still learning right up to the end because new neurons, new connections are being formed. So we are constantly learning and we're constantly changing. Now, this fact has two big implications. First, you can always become better. There is inevitable change in your life and you can direct that inevitable change towards something positive, towards something that you want to see happen. That's the first big implication. The second one is you can always become worse, and that's the bad news. You can direct the inevitable change toward a negative change, something that you don't want, but you have the power to direct the change, and, and the, the reality is the change is coming. You can't stop change. That's going to happen. The world is changing, and you are changing constantly, but how do you direct it? How do you take control? Well, the answer is through decisions. So decisions are how we act, right? We, if you wake up in the morning, you either decide to get out of bed or you decide to hit the snooze alarm. You decide to go work out or you decide to go eat a decadent breakfast with a lot of syrup on your pancakes, whatever the case. And again, no judgment, but the point is you are always making decisions. That is literally what you do in life. That is what you are doing every day. But decisions, and this is, this is important, decisions don't just change the environment that we live in. They don't just change our situation. They change us. Here's a mechanism. Here's this mechanism from one of my favorite books, 
which is titled Mistakes Were Made But Not By Me. Imagine two young men who are identical in terms of attitudes, abilities, and psychological health. They're reasonably honest and have the same middling attitude toward, say, cheating. They think it's not a good thing to do, but there are worse crimes in the world. Now, they're both in the midst of taking an exam that will determine whether they get into graduate school. They each draw a blank on a crucial essay question. Failure looms. At which point, each one gets an easy opportunity to cheat by reading another student's answers. The two young men struggle with the temptation, and after a long moment of anguish, one yields and the other resists. Their decisions are a hair's breadth apart. It could easily have gone the other way for each of them. Each gains something important, but at a cost. One gives up integrity for a good grade. The other gives up a good grade to preserve his integrity. Now the question is, how do they feel about cheating a week later? Each student has had ample time to justify the course of action he took. The one who yielded to temptation will decide that cheating is not so great a crime. He will say to himself, hey, everyone cheats, it's no big deal, and I really needed to do this for my future career. But the one who resisted the temptation will decide that cheating is far more immoral than he originally thought. In fact, people who cheat are disgraceful. In fact, people who cheat should be permanently expelled from school. We have to make an example of them. One of my favorite quotes by Aristotle goes like this. Excellence is an art won by training and habituation. We do not act rightly because we have virtue or excellence, but rather we have those because we have acted rightly. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. So this is important because what we find is that when we make a decision, it doesn't just change the world around us. We process that decision, and we change with that decision. That is how you direct change in your life, by the decisions that you make. And taking responsibility for that, I think, is very, very important. But I think it's also very important that you understand that decisions are not innocuous. They change us and they're powerful. So there's this big push in current culture to, you know, follow your heart or do whatever makes you feel good. It's it's we've almost deified pleasure and doing whatever it is that your heart desires. There's a famous song that goes, "If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad" by Sheryl Crow. Or Pharrell Williams sings, "Clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth." And look, I am all for seeking happiness, but following that advice without thought is, in my opinion, a great way to become anything but happy. So let me give you some examples that, in my opinion, go in the wrong direction. So you, like all kids, want to be well-liked by the most popular kids at school, and you get that opportunity, but... All you have to do is simply join in and making fun of a friend that you have been close to most of your life. You'd finally get into that crowd you want desperately to be a part of, but at the cost of a valuable friendship. So you can see that there's this, this decision that has to be made. If you do decide to make fun of that friend, not only will you, you know, hurt your relationship with that friend, but you will then 
have to justify in your mind why you did it. And usually what happens when you're mean to somebody is you like them less. Because after all, internally, you're going to say to yourself, maybe not consciously, but internally, you're going to say to yourself, I'm a reasonable person. And if I was making fun of that person, then they must have done something to deserve it. So therefore, I don't really like that person as much as I thought I did. And this is a natural phenomenon that happens whether you know it or not. Again, decision made, internal change. So be aware of that. If you want to be a good person and you want to be nice to people, be nice to them. Because if you aren't nice to them, then you're going to find that you like them less and it's going to be an easier and easier process to no longer be nice to them. Here's another example. This is kind of a um, just a uh, made-up story, but it's inspired by a lot of things that I've experienced in my life working at restaurants growing up while going to school. So you work at a family-owned restaurant and you're saving for a car. And, you know, you're probably getting paid minimum wage. A coworker shows you how to skim a few bucks out of the cash register every shift and not get caught. You'll be able to get that car a lot faster and the restaurant is doing really well. So, you know, it really won't hurt their business. Again, when you do that, if you make the decision to skim that money, the next time you decide to do something maybe a little bit more dishonest than that, it'll be easier. And then more dishonest, it'll be easier. And pretty soon you're a career crook. <laughs> now, here's the good news. When you make a decision, it changes you and it could change you for the worse. But you can balance that out in the long run by making more good decisions than bad decisions because the reality of our lives is that we all make bad decisions. I know I've made my fair share and I know you're making some too and that's just the way life is. You're going to make mistakes and you're going to make bad decisions. All is not lost. And yeah, it does hurt you. It makes you less of the person you want to be when you make a decision that goes against you know, the, the, the values that you have. But that happens. And so instead of beating yourself up, just always work toward making good decisions. That's the goal. So here's my recipe for success in life. And so, you know, first of all, we had the encouragement that the way things are right now is not the way things will always be. So there's hope that things can change, especially for teenagers where they feel like this is life and this is how it's always going to be. And I'm sad and I'm lonely right now. And that's just the way life will always be. That's not true. That's just not true. So let me encourage you to know that your life is changing. It's always changing and you can direct it in a, in a positive direction. So now here's a tool. It's a two-step process for living a better life, for finding true happiness and true fulfillment. My recipe for success in life is step one. This is the hardest part, but decide what principles you want to live by. And I don't mean sit and think about them a little bit. I mean, that's part of the process, but write them down. Write down your principles. And there are a lot of principles out there that you could prioritize as the most important ones. Honesty, integrity, um, loyalty, um, diligence, perseverance, hard work, mercy, right? These are, these are principles. There's so many that you could list. And there's a lot of different words that maybe mean almost the same thing, but there's a slight nuance to them. But do the hard work of sitting down and, and thinking about the person, the ideal version of yourself. If you could be the perfect you, what principles would define that person? That's step one. Step two is do whatever 
makes you happy and follow your heart as much as you want, as long as it doesn't violate your principles that you define in step one. And if you can do those two steps, I guarantee you, money back guarantee, that your life will be the best version of your life that it can be as far as happiness and fulfillment. Now, this doesn't mean that you're going to achieve wealth or greatness necessarily, but you're going to feel good about where you are in life because you are not performing for the two worlds or you know however many worlds you live in. You are being an authentic version of you. And now when you're a youth and you have to go back and forth between the adult world and the youth world, those principles that you define in step one, those come with you. Those become part of you. Those are your personal rules, and they're your rules. They're not the adults' rules. They're not the other youth in your life, not their rules. They're your rules. They're the ones you decided to live by. You've taken charge of your life, and now you're living the the life that you want to live. And so you can cut loose and be goofy and act a certain way around the other kids in the youth culture, and that's okay. But you still have those guiding principles. You still have set your own personal boundaries to say, yeah, I want to have fun with my friends, but when they decide to break into that house and rob the, you know, the widow down the street, I'm not doing that. That is not who I chose to be. I'm not deciding not to do that because my parents would be mad at me. I mean, sure, consequences are important, but but I'm deciding not to do that because I've decided who I am. And maybe, you know, this is your opportunity to influence other people in your life to, to sit down and write down their principles and, and all that. But whatever the case, this is an easy two-step process. I say it's easy, but it's not. It, it takes time and it takes thought, but it's very rewarding. It's a very, very rewarding thing to do. So that's my encouragement for you today. And uh, that's all we've got. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. If you like the content, please share with people in your life that might benefit. And of course, consider subscribing and leaving up to a five-star rating. We'll see you next time.